With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Robbie Samuels hosts the On the Schmooze podcast. Robbie, tell listeners what to expect from the show. Since 2015, I've interviewed entrepreneurs who overcame challenges to achieve success in their field or industry. Tune in to On the Schmooze to listen as I ask deep questions to elicit untold stories about leadership and networking. And where can people subscribe? Find the show at ontheschmooze.com or on marketingpodcast.net or just search for it wherever you get your podcasts. You heard them. Go subscribe. Welcome to The Collective Cafe, a virtual coffee experience which takes place every single Monday through Friday 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in both Alpha Collective's Discord, that's discord.gg forward slash Alpha Collective, and Startup Club's house in Clubhouse. It's free. It always will be free. There are no strings attached. There is no bait and switch. Lurk or listen only. Chat with one another in our back chat or even come onto stage. The coffee shop is open for business. Whether you're on the treadmill, getting the kids ready for school, getting yourself ready for work, commuting into the big bad city, or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom to your home office. On Monday, we manifest. On Tuesday, we talk thought leadership. On Wellness Wednesday, we discuss mental health, wellness, and life skills. On Thursday, we do live book reads and discussions with the author. And then on Friday, it's No Agenda Friday, where there is no agenda. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption, entrepreneurship, or coaching. So give us a subscribe, bit.ly forward slash collective cafe to go, or a review on your favorite podcast platform if you're listening on demand. Or, of course, join us every day live. It is addictive. And remember, it is a safe, welcoming space, and you will never, ever be put on the spot. This is Alpha Collective's Collective Cafe. My name is Joseph Jaffe. Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. I am super impressed with myself because I was able to, in that introduction, I was able to share this on Clubhouse, on Twitter, on Threads, on Instagram. I was able to pin up the link above and do that all um, while chewing gum and uh, juggling 17 balls and spinning four plates. Good morning, good morning everyone. The link that I posted above is actually the podcast version of this. So if you like being here live, and live is always awesome because you can comment, you can potentially come up and talk uh, at the end. We typically open up the floor uh, at about 10 to 15 minutes before. But the, the objective here is always for you to um, maximize your day. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, but also like get on the treadmill, you know, go and tend to the garden, walk the dog while be productive, be productive and actually feed your mind, your soul, your heart while feeding your body and maybe actually like even eating uh, as well. You know, Clubhouse, I guess, took on its own life of its own, its own culture. The last few days, the last week have been unbelievably volatile, confusing, toxic. Um, and I think when things get get like that we need to double down on hope positivity and optimism we need to be able to double down on on our on priorities on doing the right thing on making the most of our time and uh, making the most of the gift that we have this gift of life i mean it it sounds a little bit sometimes over the top but but it, it's true um we we can be very deliberate and intentional in terms of how we spend our time and not only how we spend our time but who we spend our time with. I guarantee you today, 
um, for those of you that are here right now, that you will leave here better off than when you came in. That's my promise. That's the money-back guarantee. Um, and considering you didn't pay any money to be here, I can definitely deliver on my money-back guarantee, um, whether you liked it or not. But I'm serious. Um, be deliberate. Uh, be intentional. Sometimes you do need to goof off. Sometimes you do need a little bit of, of like, you know, rubbish in your life. Sometimes you do need to watch a silly movie or, or just, you know, be able to take a break because life is too damn serious to be too intense all the time. Um, so today we are going back to our book. It looks like we're almost halfway through it. I'm loving this. I know Michelle is loving it. Um, those of you that have been here every week for the last few Thursdays, you've been loving it too. Um, just a little reminder that I will be away Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of next week. And so we will figure out whether we uh, we actually run the Collective Cafe or how we do it. We may actually just do it in Discord for those three days. So it's a real opportunity for you to come and discover our Discord just for three days. Um, it's discord.gg forward slash alpha collective. I will put the link uh, above in about 20 minutes or 30 minutes or so. Um, I will put it in the chat as well. Please do me a favor. Just one thing that I will ask of you today. Well, three things. You know, one is subscribe to the podcast if you like this, because you can take it with you and you can and you can actually listen to it um, on your terms, not on my terms. Number two is um, click on the link below and um, the one that I'm actually pa- pasting in right now, discord.gg forward slash alpha collective and join our Discord. It is free and it always will be free, um, at least. Um, and, and then maybe next Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, if you do want to continue this conversation, you can come in and hang out with us uh, in our Discord. And uh, I don't think there is a third thing to ask you. Oh, share the room if you like right now. Um, but we are going to get straight into it. We're on page 45 of I Dare You uh, by William Danforth. It was written in 1931. Um, and uh, I'm going to do, we started on this chapter last week, but I'm actually going to go back to it because guess what I forgot? Uh, I'm sure we all did. It's about 20 pages and I will try and intersperse commentary throughout um, and uh, then see if you have any questions. So let's get into it. I dare you to think creatively. This is a real important topic. Look your mind. You can't command unless you first learn to obey. You can't direct others without training. KP minds stay in the kitchen. We actually learned what that was. Uh, Kitchen practices. It's an army thing. The mind of a general makes one a general. Victories are thought out before they are fought out on the battlefield. See, I completely missed that quote last week. Victories are thought out before they are fought out on the battlefield. That's a great quote. What do you mean, mind, by thinking on a low plane when I'm daring to set high achievements as my goal? In Pygmalion, Bernard Shaw's professor declares... He can take a flower girl of the slums and make her into a real lady. Think like a duchess, act like a duchess, talk like a duchess. Curbstone English keeps you in the gutter, he says to her. When you try to put such thoughts as these in your mind, if it is like an, like the average mind, I can hear it reply, don't bother me. I haven't time for these things. I've got enough to think about now. I'll get along all right. Wow, doesn't that sound like so familiar, by the way? It's like... Don't bother me. I don't have time for these things. I mean, can you imagine that? I don't have time to, to take risks. I don't have time to research. I don't have time to feed my soul. I don't have time to learn about how the world is changing. Why? Because I'm so bogged down in the day-to-day, because I'm so focused on the past or stuck in the past and focused on the present. By the way, this, I'm not reading this now. This is me talking. Uh, we had a little thing going for a while when we started this, which is when I was talking, we would have like a... Uh, Joe Music. I think this was Joe Music as well. So it'd be like, okay, he's not reading now. This is Joseph talking. So maybe I'll go back to that as well. But seriously, like, you know, when somebody says they don't have time, it is the biggest kind of bullshit excuse in the whole world. And it's, it is an excuse. You always have time. You can always make time. You know, you're just choosing to say no. And by the way, I don't have a problem with that. I've become a big believer. I don't know that I've practiced it yet, but in the model, in fact, I even wrote this into my new book that, you know, the the Venn diagram, you've got hell yeah, hell no, and everything in between is hell. So just like, like you, of course, you've got the time. You just choose to not want to spend the time 
on this and and why not just be honest so you know honestly here's what i'm going to do the next time somebody tells me they don't have the time i'm just going to say you do have the time you're just choosing not to spend this time with me which is fine which is fine but just own it don't don't make an excuse you know i'm okay i'm a big boy i can handle it i can handle the rejection god knows as an entrepreneur i've had enough of it in my life okay all right going back to the book what's that i can hear you answer you haven't time for these things <laughs> preempting this right nonsense you you've you've as much time as anybody you better get arnold bennett's little book how to live on 24 hours a day i guess that's our next book it will open up possibilities to you and it costs less than a dollar you'll get along you'll get along all right will you well how about your study program you haven't time to do any more studying you mean the real truth is that you haven't time to do other things so the average mind answers back daring people can't afford not to think just as you can't afford not to exercise the big prizes are for those who dare to think hard to think often to think creatively i've spent a lifetime in business but never before have i seen such a demand for ideas and again this could have been written in 2023 and let me read that again um daring people can't afford not to think just as you can't afford not to exercise the big prizes are for those who dare to think hard to think often to think creatively and by the way i love this idea of what does it mean to think hard what does it mean to think often it's just a just ponder on that for a while just what is it to think hard what is it to think often these are questions maybe that that we could ask ourselves or answer um and we should think about that thinking hard thinking often these are things first of all thinking at all is good right and 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 you cannot afford not to think like you cannot afford not to exercise i can keep going back again and again and keep reading this chapter this chapter is an unlock i mean this paragraph this paragraph is an unlock when is the last time that you thought when is the last time you thought hard when is the last time you took time to think this is vital vital stuff for us to have to think about and ponder and when we spend our time and when we spend our energy with mindlessness and with and with too much candy too much sweetener in our life it rots our brain it rots our core it rots our integrity and it rots our ability to be able to pursue this this obsession this thinking obsession so this is very very important stuff okay let's go back to the book um ideas have always been the dynamos that move civilization forward Stevenson had an idea of a locomotive long before rails were laid but it took years and years before his idea was accepted today ideas get an audience immediately even in clubhouse uh industry is at the feet of creative thinkers begging for ideas so another thought as well I, I, it's hard to move forward because the stuff is so good right the idea of a of a locomotive of a train before i mean if you think about it the rails came later right it's not like the rails were laid and then we're like what are we going to put on the on the rails now that we've laid these amazing rails that actually help us bridge gaps and divides by the way um we can do this another time another lesson but the basic of a market right if you understand what a marketplace is a marketplace actually i learned this is predicated on two things one is transportation and the other one is payment if you think about everything from barter chicken cows you know economies everything comes down to the speed and the ease and the ability to transport goods and the ability to pay for those goods and we can go into a whole lesson on payment from barter econ- economics uh you know into gold you know into into paper into plastic into digital currency into cryptocurrency uh, the bank the unbanked decentralization so payment is a huge component but so is transportation and sometimes we actually like we we take for granted how easy it is right now to be able to move things from one you know from one party to another um and and of course with that comes lots of challenges right which is fraud and you know and authentication and and with that as well with payment comes pricing so like inherent in what a marketplace is um is a it's a very good conversation to have another time and maybe we'll have that 
But when we think about transportation, right, the rails represent the infrastructure, whether it's your social media network, whether it's your network, your Rolodex, your email list, uh, people that you trust, people that, that, that you can rely on, uh, people that, that, that you can count on, people that will be there for you when you ask them to help you as well. In a way, that is, you know, that, those are the pipes and the network that gets laid down. Sometimes, um, you know, it is in a social media um, platform. Sometimes it is in a clubhouse room or in the startup club. Um, it is the ability to actually have all of this laid out. But, but the chicken and egg, what came first? The pipeline didn't come first. Um, you know, the pipes didn't come first. Relationships came first. Integrity came first. Content came first. Um, you know, substance came first. You know, when we actually can create the marketplace for ideas, um, that allows those ideas to flourish and spread um, and be bought and sold and be valued. So just a little bit of a, um, uh, a tangent there. All right, let's get back to the book. Not many years ago, Professor at Oberlin College suggested to his class that someday a new metal called aluminium, or as Americans say, aluminum, would be economically produced so that it could be used for a thousand practical purposes. He said it has never been set free. A fortune awaits the man who can release aluminum. That word fell as seed into the mind of Charles Hall, a young boy less than 20 years of age. He was the son of a missionary to the West Indies. He began to work with little crucibles furnished by the professor and finally showed him a drop of pure aluminum and then dared to set out to discover aluminum aluminium in commercial quantities. He did, and when he died, he left one-third of his immense aluminum fortune to Oberlin College, one-third to foreign missions, the other third he left to Berea College and the American Missionary Association. Oberlin gave an idea and a dare to Charles Hall, and he gave back to Oberlin a rich dividend. The whole world benefited when Charles Hall dared to think creatively along uncharted fields. So we can go back to that concept as well. He dared, you know, and then dared to set out to discover aluminum in commercial quantities. Um, it, you know, it, the idea actually was, I'm going backwards here, it, it has never been set free. A fortune awaits the man who can release aluminum. Aluminum actually here is a beautiful metaphor and an analogy for ideas that can be set free, uh, for business opportunities, for business models, for, you know, I would call it community capitalism. I would say, you know, ideas are a dime a dozen today. I do believe that there's never been a market like there is today for great ideas. But the problem is there's so much noise. This is the key point, my friends. There's so much noise out there that that even the signal, even the best ideas are often missed or overlooked or buried or suppressed because of all the noise. So ideas have to be set free, right? Like the aluminum, ideas have to be released. They have to be unshackled. They have to be allowed to soar, to be able to move freely as opposed to be locked down and controlled, you know, and, uh, and manipulated. Something to think about uh, as well. All right. Most of the unexplored regions of the world may have been discovered, but what a field lies ahead for the mental Columbus, the thinking Peary, the planning bird, uh, B-Y-R-D. Physical adventure promises not half the thrill of mental adventure. Physical life brings happiness, but mental life brings interest, a consuming, absorbing interest. How I pity that person, young or old, who cannot shut out the world, open a book, and go forth on an adventure of romance, travel, biography, history, or business. What a shame to see so many mental lives slow down after school days are over. Just because people forget the necessity of everlasting, everlastingly studying if they expect to get anywhere. Theodore Roosevelt died with a book under his pillow, consuming the ideas of other until the very last. Wow, that's amazing concept. Um, have you read Abby Dimnet's The Art of Thinking? If not, buy it right away. Don't get it from the library. Own it. Lose no time. Its pages fascinatingly lead you into a new mental realm. If you already have a copy, dust it off and read it over again. 
Stagnant minds are the greatest obstacles to progress. By the way, just as a thought, I'm going to go and look for this book, The Art of Thinking, and I'm going to go and look for that other book right at the start of this called, what was it called? How to Live on 24 Hours a Day. I kind of like this idea. Suddenly I'm thinking, this is how my thought process works. Is like, I like this idea of maybe on Thursdays, why don't we go and read old books? Why don't we read books that were written 100 years ago that actually are more relevant today in 2023 than books that are written in 2023, except, of course, for my new book, Forever Changed, because it talks about a global pandemic. So come on, you know, although I suppose there was a book 100 years ago talking about the Spanish flu. So listen, I, I, I got to like, you know, I got to eat my own dog food here. Um, so maybe that's what we do on Thursdays. We do classic book reads. Um, and unfortunately, the author will not be with us because they most likely almost 1 billion percent will be dead. But I will be the author with my South African accent. All right. So where did we go? Okay. Um, stagnant minds are the greatest obstacles to progress. Beautiful quote there. Stagnant minds are the greatest obstacles to progress. I spent an afternoon with Charles F. Kettering, president of the General Motors Research Corporation, by the way, another little segue, Norm de Grieve, um, I interviewed him a couple of years ago. He was the CMO at the time um, of, General, uh, of uh, CVS Health. And now he, is, um, the, he just got appointed the Chief Marketing Officer of General Motors. So I'm going to try and get him uh, on my show again. I'm going to try and get him into Alpha Collective. Um, but he has some great thoughts um, as well about also just you know some bold moves that they were doing at the time they they uh, one of the biggest bold moves that they did at CVS was that they said no to tobacco they kicked out tobacco um, and it's one of the heresies that I wrote about in my book Built to Suck you know because they actually took a lot of money off the table a lot of profit off the table by making a brave decision by making a bold decision so interesting now how like you know all this time later now you've got you've got the uh the his dutch origin um how you've got a, a dutch master um now kind of running marketing for general motors will be interesting to see what happens um and one of the keenest uh creative minds in america after he moved to the city and became famous so the story goes his mother still lived on the old lived on the old home place in the country and burned coal coal and burned coal oil lamps why shouldn't she have bright lights just as he did in the city? He must see to it. He did. Result, the Delco system which illuminated the farmhouses of our country. Mr. Kettering got tired of jumping out of his car and cranking it up. Why not start the car from a switch on the dashboard? Off went the creative mind on another excursion. The self-starter was the result. He found that it took 31 days to paint an auto one coat on another with the proper time for drying. The paint men got their heads together. They thought that one day or possibly two at the outset, outset, outside sorry, might be saved. Kettering said he wanted it down to one hour. He was crazy, but a way was found. On some toys, a quick drying enamel was used. It wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't do it. It wouldn't do for autos. Why? It dries too damn fast. When he would spray it, he found that it would dry before it reached the surface. He kept on until Juco was produced and an auto was painted complete in an hour. You know, just, I mean, there's so much richness from this little story, right? There are those who see things and ask why, and then there are those who see things that could be and ask why not. But a lot of this comes down to when I mentor and advise startups, I always say to them, you know, open your eyes, open your ears. What do you see? What do you hear? What frustrates you? What pisses you off? What makes you curious? You know, have you ever <coughs> turned around and said, you know, they should do this or they should make something that does this or why does this not happen? So often we see the seeds of innovation and disruption and progress come from just simple curiosity, just being able to ask the question, why are things like this? Why are, not, why are they not like that? Why do we accept the status quo? Why do we accept things as they are? That is our ultimate limitation when we accept things as they are. When we don't question why they are and we don't ask the question, is there a better way? And can we, are we capable of coming up and creating 
that better way. I could go on this subject for hours, and I, and I wish there was time, and maybe again <clears throat> there will be time, but remember something, that so often we do things a certain way because that's the way they've always been done. And there actually isn't that person, there isn't even a person around that can tell you why things are done <clears throat> because they inherited it. And they inherited it and they passed it on to someone who passed it on to someone. And no one took the time, no one stopped just to ask one simple question with three letters, W-H-Y. Why? And my answer is why not? On one occasion, Mr. Kettering brought a group of automobile manufacturers into a conference. He told them to write down all the improvements they would want for the next four years and leave their slips of paper on his desk. Then he took them through his research laboratory, showing them what was in progress. Coming back, one man reached for his paper and tore it up. Hey there, what do you mean? said Mr. Kettering. We only asked for little five-cent improvements. We didn't know how to ask for enough. You are years and years ahead of us, was the reply. In St. Louis, we had an outstanding brain surgeon who was head of our Washington University Brain Surgery Clinic. His operations were almost miraculous. Cases were brought to him from thousands of miles away. Lucky beggar, says the young medical student, to be born with such skill. But wait a minute. Let us look at Dr. Ernest Sachs's history. A number of years ago, when he was an intern in a New York hospital, one of his chiefs bemoaned the facts that the majority of brain tumors were fatal. He prophesied that someday some surgeon would dare to find out how to save these lives. Young Ernest Sachs dared to be that surgeon. He dared to face an almost hopeless task. There was no background of successful brain surgery in America at that time. The only possible guidepost the young adventurer could steer for was a doctor in England, Sir Victor Horsley, who knew more about the anatomy of the brain than any other living man. He was the pioneer in brain surgery in England. Dr. Sachs received permission to study under this English scientist. But here is an interesting thing that he did before studying in England. In order to become rooted and grounded in the knowledge and technique that he should possess before working under this eminent surgeon, he spent six months studying in Germany under the most able men there. Not many young students would be willing to do that. The English doctor was so impressed with the earnestness and industry of the young American who would spend six months in pre-preparation that he brought him right into his home. Together, during two years, they worked out long and intricate experiments on many dozens of monkeys. Thus, the basic facts were found and the background laid for Dr. Sachs's future career. He returned to America and here was laughed at when he asked for the opportunity to treat brain tumors. For years, he fought discouragements and obstacles. He worked without facilities and with that unconquerable urge that gets things done. Today, the majority of brain tumors can be cured. Today, Dr. Sachs shares his gifts by the training of young doctors and establishing them in different centers of this country so that each section may have a brain surgeon near a home. His book, The Diagnosis and Treatment of Brain Tumors, has been adopted the standard authority on this baffling subject. Tong! A Serbian shepherd boy struck the handle of a long knife. The blade was buried in the ground of the pasture field, so the signal, pasture field, so the signal did not reach the marauders hiding in the long corn nearby, but it did reach other shepherd boys scattered across the field each with an ear pressed tight against the ground. By means of this ingenious system of sending signals through the ground, the Serbian shepherd boys outwitted the Romanian cattle thieves who crept up under cover of darkness and the tall corn. All except one of those shepherd boys grew up and forgot all about the phenomenon of the ground signals. But one boy remembered and 25 years later applied the principle with the result that he made one of the greatest inventions of the age. So Michael Pupin, that humble shepherd boy, changed the telephone from a device that could be used to speak only across a city to a long-distance instrument that could be heard across a continent. The Edisons and the Marconis 
were the long-range thinkers of yesterday. <clears throat> I like that idea, long-range thinker. Wanted some long-range thinkers today. Hey, everyone, are you a long-range thinker? Let's find out what a long-range thinker is. Uh, where yesterday a 100 new inventions were made, a 1,000 new ones will be made tomorrow. And some of you who read this message will dare to make them. I read an article not long ago where somebody prophesied conditions 20 years from now. Our homes would be artificially cooled in the summer, just as they are artificially heated in the winter. Transportation will be just as different from today as today is from the gay 90s. So apparently the 90s were gay. Um, I don't even know how to respond to that, uh, except for the fact I'm imagining he's talking about the 1890s. But maybe the 1990s were gay too. People will dress differently, think differently, live differently. Are you leaders going to sit back and wait for yourselves to be adapted to these conditions? That's another beautiful phrase there, by the way. Um, are you going to wait for yourself to be adapted to the condition? I mean, think about that idea. You become adapted to the conditions as opposed to, um, you know, you are not in control when you are adapted. You are assimilated. I mean, you know, the Borg has assimilated you. Resistance is futile. So what's happening is the conditions, the things that you actually say are so difficult, the things that are holding you back, you know, the the tough crypto winter, whatever you want to call it, whatever excuses you, I don't have the time, the excuses that you come up with, you become adapted to them. And so, and and as you become more adapted to them, you become less adaptable. You become less likely to be able to get ahead of these conditions and create the, the future. You know, w- one of the things that's so interesting with this is, you know, we look back and we hear the stories of air conditioning and brain tumors and telephones. I mean, these are big, big inventions. And, but, but like, I mean, I, I wonder how many of you look back and go, well, well, that was then. This is now. Things are different now. Well, are they different? Why can we not dream today? Why can we not be curious today? Why can we not ask questions today about the way life is or how life might be better? Why do we accept their transportation? I mean, they're working on a jet right now that can take you uh, from New York to, to London in, in a couple of hours. Why do we assume we can't keep going faster? Why do we assume that we will never teleport? You know, why do we assume that we will never bend space and time? Why do we assume, and even if we can't and don't, certainly not in our lifetimes, why do we, why do we become adapted to our conditions? I have no opportunity to create, you say. No opportunity? Bosh! That's spelled B-O-S-H. Bosh! Opportunities. Man, people spoke beautifully back in the day. <clears throat> Opportunities to create are popping out at you every minute of the day. Some of the greatest creations have come from minds able to interpret the usual in an unusual way. Once a professor hit upon a great discovery while buttoning up his vest, or rather, he hit upon the discovery because his vest wouldn't button up. His little daughter had sewn up some of the buttonholes. His fingers were going along, as usual, in their most intricate operations of buttoning a button. If you want to know how intricate these operations are, you might try it yourself. Just try consciously buttoning up one button. But be sure and count each thing that each thumb and finger does, each move that they make. Then you will be able to start on this story where the professor started. His bu- I think we all know where this is going, everyone. His buttoning was going on in, an, in the usual way. When something happened, a button wouldn't button. The fingers fumbled helplessly for a moment, then sent out a call for help. The mind woke up, the eyes looked down, a new idea was born, or rather, a new understanding of an old idea. What the professor had discovered was that fingers can remember. They call it physiological memory now. Then he began playing pranks on his classes, and he found that the answer was always the same. As long as they could keep on doing the things they had always done, their minds wouldn't work. It was only when he figuratively sewed up their buttonholes stole their notebooks, upset their routine, 
threatened them with failure that any thinking was done. So he came to the great and now generally accepted conclusion that the mind of man is an emergency organ. Ooh, let's let's uh, go back to this one idea. This idea: the mind of man is an emergency organ that it relegates everything possible to other functions of the body as long as it is able. That it is only when the old order of things won't work any longer that it gets on the job. I am indebted to an advertisement in the New York Times for the above on a man buttoning up his vest. But history is full of such commonplaces that turn our minds topsy-turvy. One day in Denmark, Dr. Finson stood gazing absently-minded out his window. A A cat lay dozing in the sun. The shadows lengthened and slowly shut off the sun from the cat. Tabby awoke, got up, and went went farther into the sun. Again, the shadows crept up, and again, the cat moved into the sunlight. Finson's curiosity was aroused. What made the cat stay in the sun? If light and heat are good for a cat, wouldn't they be good for people? And that was the starting point of his world-famous light cure work. Ego, or Igo Etrich, the inventor of the Taube, T-A-U-B-E, flying machine, got his idea in India from the seed of the Zanonia, Z-A-N-O-N-I-A, Zanonia. The turned-up wingtips of this natural plane became the principle of the war-famous German fighting plane. Dr. Holmes, a noted psychologist, says that 95% of people think an aimless, desultory, gossipy flow of ideas, and only 5% aim, <coughs> aim definitely direct and definitely arrive at conclusions. I think it might be safe to say that 95% on the rooms, sometimes in clubhouse, are aimless, desultory, gossipy flow of ideas, if there are ideas at all. So are you, my friends, in the 95 or the 5%? I can tell you uh, with 100% uh, confidence and conviction that this room today is in the 5%. You daring adventurers in the mental realms you can't all be Halls, Kettering, Sachs, Poopins, or Finsons, but you are not afraid to tackle the impossible, are you? It can't be done is a, <clears throat> is a finality to those afraid to dare. I will repeat that. It can't be done is a finality to those afraid to dare. But you crusaders are looking for things which can't be done. All the easy things have been done long ago. Now, Bring on the impossible. Your mental program and the development of your mental self, you must work out for yourself. But let me give you some of the few things that I found very valuable in my own life. I'm pretty much of the opinion that nobody was born a genius. I'm coming more and more to Carlyle's definition of genius, an infinite capacity for hard work. That's a great one. I didn't know that. Um, genius is an infinite capacity for hard work. You've heard this over and over again, but have you benefited by it? The other day, one of our sales managers was talking about one of the brilliant young salesmen whom he employed a year before who seemed to have the personality, the appearance, and ability to go a long way, but he didn't. And the sales manager, after having fired him, told me that the man was just plain dumb. He knew a little bit about everything, but when he got right down into a discussion of specific things, he just wasn't there, only froth on top. I recall the flying fish I saw in the Indian Ocean. They flash up in the air for a minute, flutter and scintillate in the sun, and then fall back into the sea. Who wants to be a flying fish? Who gives a flying bleep to be? Who wants to? That was just me. Who wants to be a flying fish, shining for a minute, and then sinking out of sight? When it is so easy to get our thinking done for us, the big temptation is not to think. We glance at the newspaper headlines and let them form our opinions and neglect to read the scholarly articles in the monthly magazine that would give us the meat on the subject. Wow, this is so relevant to today. I mean, with respect to you know cable news, um, with respect to uh, GPS, with respect to chat GPT, it's unbelievable. We listen to a few minutes of the radio and flatter ourselves that we know all about the symphony. We read a, v- a review of a play and decide that we don't need to see the play itself. These are the temptations of the average person today. But if you have read this far, I assume that you are above 
the average person. I'm daring you to know at least one thing well. What is it? Make your decision and then determine to know that one thing well, better than anyone else. In doing this, you will have to think. No one is going to get far these days unless he thinks for himself. This is going to take time and hard work, but the joy you will discover in knowing one thing well will more than repay you. I remember a story they used to tell about old Bill Brown down in my section of the country. He used to plow the field in the spring with a yoke of oxen. <clears throat> he would holler G and haw at them. Is that like ye? No, it says G. G and haw at them. But they paid no attention to him. Then go any way you darn please, said Bill. The whole field has got to be plowed anyway. No crusader can turn his mental powers loose. Life has to be lived. Let me say this again. No crusader can turn his mental powers loose. Life has to be lived. The field has to be plowed. But it's the way you live it and the way you plow that count in the long run. You are alert. How dare you let mental oxen lead you around the field? I guess this is distraction, right? You are the crusaders who are going to do things. You must plow a better furrow than ever has been plowed, even if it is only one furrow. You must harvest a better crop than ever has been harvested, even if it is only a few bushels. You recognize the danger as well as the disgrace of a half-used mind. You recognize the danger as well as the disgrace of a half-used mind. You're going to gear up your mind to capacity and share its strength with others. Instead of diminishing by sharing, you will grow increasingly strong. Remember that if you've been here for some of the previous uh, and <clears throat> if you are new to this live read, go back, you know, go to that link, bit.ly forward slash collective cafe to go and find the last three Thursdays. This is the fourth Thursday that you, you don't, dim, you diminish by keeping to yourself. You grow by sharing. Train for the fight. Fit yourself for larger responsibility by studying outside of regular hours. By the way, I'm trying to <clears throat> do my best to get through this in the hour because I feel like this does need to fit into one hour and then we'll see if anybody wants to come up. Um, they're about like five, uh, <clears throat> one, two, three, four, five pages, so I can do it. Reading the right kinds of books improves your background and stimulates your brain. The minute, this minute, why not write down the name of one particular book you can't afford not to read? I'll give it to you, Built to Suck. Flip the funnel, two of my best books. Uh, you know where you're headed. Then do some more exploring in that field through books. I'd like to recommend my rule of thumb for a minimum program. I'll read one book a month. I use the last blank page of a book to make suggestive notes so that I can in the future catch at a glance the high points of the book, which may be of personal profit to me. You have to train for your mental crusade just as you train for your physical game of life. You can do that in the same time you spend on the comic page in the daily paper. It will benefit you a lot more. I've always loved good books. Titles as well as contents start me on new adventures. The first book I can remember was called Purpose. I mean, this is so crazy. Like here, everyone talking about why and Simon Sinek and Purpose. Uh, I don't know who wrote it. I don't think Simon Sinek wrote it because, you know, in the gay 90s, I don't think he did. My mother gave it to me when I was a slip of a boy. Its very name went deep into my life. In later years, I read The Charm of the Impossible by Margaret Slattery and The Lure of the Labrador Wild by Dylan Wallace. Thrilling titles that stir the soul make you want to do something. Then, one increasing purpose. So big, giants in the earth, the quest of the best. He can who thinks he can. Magnificent obsession. Men of iron. How these titles grip me. The Psychology of Achievement by Pitkin and The Marks of an Educated Man by Wiggum are amongst my favorites. Some critics may laugh at this, but somehow titles as well as content seem to put a dare into me. Here's the notebook habit I heard, uh, <clears throat> I heard a man say. Well, that's one of my mental habits, which has proven very valuable in more ways than one. By the way, one of my mental habits now is putting a LinkedIn article together of almost every day of the Collective Cafe. So we will have a little LinkedIn article and uh, some kind of takeaways. At some point, I might move it into a Substack. At some point, I might even charge a small subscription for a Substack. At some point, I might not. 
Um, but that's what I've been doing. And I can promise you that, that you know, <clears throat> I wish more often than not, I want to go back and, and read the entire transcript and listen to these episodes again. Because, you know, like, I, I wish I was you. I wish I was you in the audience right now. I wish I was listening and taking notes. Like, I don't have the luxury of doing that. In talking, like, things just pass, and I'm like, oh, I wish I could go back and remember that. But I'm going to forget because the next thing is going to come along. So, like, this is a magical moment and a magical time. But we have to, at least by doing the LinkedIn articles, I can go back and not forget some of these key quotes. Um. Okay, uh, well, that's one of my mental habits, which has proven very valuable in more ways than one. It's all right to develop your memory, but I've found a notebook a most valuable memory aid. I always carry one in my inside coat pocket. I even keep one close beside my bed. And many a time in the middle of the night, I've jotted down something that I could never have recalled had I not had a pencil and paper handy. By the way, that is a power tip. Uh, Power, power, power tip. Do that. Do that every single night notepad and pen next to your bed. Speaking of habits, how about some other old habit that is making a fool of you right before your eyes? The thing to do is to turn the whole procedure around and make a fool of that old habit. It is really a ridiculous situation that a mind of inherent strength cannot have its own way and master any habit. One of our advertising men told me he had been smoking so many cigarettes, the habit was making a fool of him robbing him of his physical reserve. So he decided to make a fool out of that habit. And here's the way he turned the tables. He knew if he went around feeling sorry for himself because he couldn't smoke, he was sunk. It was all right to say exert his willpower, but that made his temper short and his work suffer. He decided the thing to do was to get a new habit immediately to replace smoking. Now, he says, when we see him standing in front of an open window taking deep breaths, he is smoking. When he disinfects his throat with a goggle, he is smoking. When he's brushing his teeth directly after eating, he is smoking. In that way, he formed new habits that have taken the place of the old smoking one. John was a great dreamer. He built castles in the air a mile high and left them in the air. Bill was also a dreamer. He too built his air castles, but he had the faculty of bringing those castles down to earth. He would pile them in front of him. Then he would attack them and counterattack them. He was as merciless in his cross-examination as any officer giving a criminal the third degree. Dreams that were wild, he pulled out of the pile as he would pull. And, you know, again, uh, like I'm I'm just going to spell the word here. As he would pull a wet F-A-G-G-O-T. I'm not even sure what that was then. Out of the fire. But of those other dreams, the worthwhile ones, he demanded action. He ordered them to come true. Yes, Bill was a dreamer, but in addition, he had that rare executive uh, ability that tested, selected, then made his dreams come true. Try Bill's methods. You have dreams, they will come true. I ask you when. So just remember this idea of air castles, right? Castles in the sky. You got to bring those castles down to earth. You have to execute. You ha- this is about action, my friends. It's about execution. It's about being able to execute. Most of us would like to be a Bernard Shaw or a Thomas A. Edison today, but how many would have been willing to be a Shaw or an Edison many years ago when they were constantly laboring, studying, training, and devouring all they could find which would fit them for the frame that was to be theirs? Ask your author friends if each book doesn't represent months, even years of hard labor. No man can give out unless he first takes in. You can't give what you don't have. Let me give you a challenge, a definite mental challenge. For one solid month, dare to think fearlessly in some one uncharted field. When you read a book, don't let the author do all of the thinking for you. Stop at the end of the sentence or page or chapter which brings you up with a start. Interpret these thoughts into something definite in your own life. How can you apply it in your work tomorrow? Venture courageously into new mental realms. Think originally. If you can contribute one ounce of original thought, if you can, this is such a good idea, right? If you can originate just one new idea, you have dared well. This is to be your mental offensive campaign. 
Let's become sick and tired of being always on the defensive, on the defensive. Finally, don't you dare stop until you have produced at least one creative idea. One creative mind dared to put the hind end, the hind end of a needle on the point, a little thing, but out of it came the sewing machine. The Hindenburg line wasn't crossed easily. You have to adventure in no man's land and dig in many times before you reach your objective. The Allied armies paid the price, but they smashed through. I dare you, I double dare you to be a creator. Isn't that interesting? The creator economy. Turns out the creator economy was was first discovered in 1931. (laughs) I dare you, I double dare you to be a creator, a hunger fighter, a microbe hunter. Make a start. Never stop until you can put down in black and white some one idea or thing that you have created. We've got one page left, my friends. May I add one word about the subconscious mind? As a businessman, I don't know one thing about it, but I'm going to learn. If I can set my subconscious mind like an alarm clock before I go to bed at night, then wake up in the morning brimful of ideas, I'll keep in the daring class. Better have a program to include the subconscious. Perhaps what I've said here sounds too big and mighty to be accomplished. I am not a genius. I haven't the capacity to be a hunger fighter or a great scientist or an author. Well, let's not think what you cannot do. What interests me is what you can do. Are you satisfied with what your mind has accomplished so far? Has it done the best it is capable of? I'll warrant it has not. Then your job is to know how much more mental ability you have, then dare to use it. Remember that valuable possessions multiply when shared. Your mind begins to grow as you share it. How much more enjoyable is a book when you discuss it or maybe lend or pass it to friends with certain passages marked? You are a multiplier when you clip a good idea from the morning paper and pass it along to that person who is particularly interested. Telling an unusual story to others helps you fix it in your mind. How much more clearly a problem crystallizes in our mind When we present it to another, this is gold, Jerry. This is gold, all of this. You give a big idea to your friend. He gives a big idea to you. You both have two ideas. Sharing increases. Alas, there are some who will agree to all this and say, that's good stuff. They never do a blessed thing. Or they will try just one thing, then another, but they will never, but they will do them in a half-hearted way. They will never get anywhere. But you, crusaders, you are going to do these things. You are alert. You recognize the danger as well as the disgrace of a half-used mind. You're going to gear up your mind to capacity and share its strength with others. Instead of diminishing by sharing, you will grow increasingly strong. Phew! And that is the end of I Dare You to Think Creatively. What an amazing chapter. So, I dare you in the audience to come up and comment and talk about what this meant to you and what you're going to do differently and how you're going to dare to be different and how you are going to be able to bring those air castles down to earth. Um, So who's going to come up? Who is going to come up? I'm daring you. This is a dare. This is a double dare. I'm actually writing my note. I'm going to call this uh, castles in the sky will be today. Castles in the sky or air castles? I don't know, one of the two. Who's coming up? Michelle, Melissa, uh, who's in the audience uh, on Discord? Billy's there, Christopher. Who wants, who's got a question, a comment? Um, what's something you loved in today's, uh, in today's chapter? I, I have a special sound effect for you today. Inviting people up. Damn it. All right. I know it's hard, right? It's hard to pick just one thing. But I particularly liked the, you know, kind of old-fashioned, I'll say, examples of these kind of industry icons almost, right? Industrial revolution and beyond. So for me, I enjoyed hearing those examples because there was many I had never heard before. And that was inspiring to me. 
Jaffe. Thank you. That was very, very inspiring to me uh, as well. Um, who's up here? Tim, Melissa. Go for it, Tim. You're talking, but I can't hear you. Can you, can you hear uh, Michelle? No, I don't hear Tim either. How about now? Now I can hear you. Oh, okay. That was really weird. Uh, so being true to Collective Cafe, I was walking the dog when you mentioned, when you got to the part about the professor and the vest and the buttons, and I didn't catch his name because I need to look up the work that he did on changing mental models. Well, if anybody remembers it, um, go for it. But we, uh, you know, as soon as this is done, what I do is I put a transcript together. So I feed it into otter.ai. Um, I will post the transcript today in the cafe chat in Discord uh, for you. Um, but I'll also find uh-huh. out who it is. If anyone can tell Tim, um, uh, put it in the chat. Um, but we'll we'll make sure we get there. By the way, just a quick little anecdote. Um, you know, Tim is one of our regulars in Discord. And, you know, Tim, you probably could talk to the fact that that there was a time when you wouldn't have come onto stage you know where, but now you have the confidence, and you have the, you know, the 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 track record, and we have the relation, and and we have the relationship, and it's kind of like amazing when you think about it. It's like this comes from showing up. You know, you know showing up is like sometimes ninety uh, percent of the battle, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Well, I, and it's not every day, right? Some some days, uh, like I said, I'm walking the dog, or I'm you know <laughs> ironing the shirt for the day, or you know. Uh, and and you're just there with me to uh, you know uh, inspire and and be kind of like a pseudo coworker. Um, I love and then that. Other, and then other days, uh, I I end last night with a ten o'clock phone call from a client, and we're we're discussing how you know people are not doing what they're the the new method that they're supposed to be doing. They're stuck in their old ways. And it's stuck in my brain and I sleep on it and I wake up in the morning and I go on a walk with the dog. And here you are serendipitously reading a passage about a professor who, you know, had this, you know, physical memory and then used it in his class to change mental models. And I'm like, oh, I need to look into that work. So, you know, you, it, it's, uh, you know, it's very Forrest Gumpian in that you never know what you're going to get. Um, yeah, well, I, Tim, I, I dare you to bring your client to the Collective Cafe, by the way. Um, and um, so that, that, that's, my, that's my dare for you today. All right. I'm still <laughs> working on the two other authors I have to get you. Yeah, so, so we have a thing, which is when anyone mentions a book um, on you know recommended book, I dare that person to go and contact the author and invite them on the show. And we've done that. We had uh, super bosses, uh, Sidney Finkelstein, and he actually came and hung out with us in Discord. Um, and we had um, uh, we had the attention economy um, uh, and uh, Tom Davenport. That was that was all you're doing, I think, Tim. That was you, right? No, I was uh, Damon Centola. Oh, you were Damon Centola with the uh, toy professor. About, yes, professor. Uh, I'm a professor too. Damn it. Yep. Um, <laughs> no, I mean I, I, to, today. Uh, today I thought was great, and you know a lot of a lot of these things often come down to this idea of just being able to ask the question. You know, that's why I love the ending of the chapter, which is which is just every time, like even when you read, like today, like challenge yourselves to go and come up with an original thought or a build or a, you know, it's just, we can do this. We can do this. And remember the origins of this chapter comes down to being able to say, I don't have the time, make the time, which is actually why I'm saying quite deliberately, don't spend your time in, you know, toxic drama rooms on Clubhouse. Don't spend your time in in hacking and, you know, Further yourself, feed yourself, grow yourself, nurture yourself, spoil yourself, grow. If you're not growing, you are absolutely dying. You know, you have you have limited time, but you also have unlimited time if you choose to spend it wisely. And the real smart moves 
are to actually double time, as I would call it, which is which is do two things at once. Um, that's probably why podcasting has grown the way it has. And quite frankly, maybe why even my video show hasn't grown as quickly because podcasting is growing because we can actually use it and consume it while we're doing other things. Absolutely. So uh, mil- today, t- today uh, you know, I am reminded of, um, do you know the, the monkey problem? Yeah, I've written about it many times. Yeah, and, and it seems like, okay, so what we have to do every day is get up and, and not build the podium, but solve your monkey problems. Exactly, and sometimes that monkey is on our back, and sometimes we pass the monkey. <laughs> exactly. I, it, it's, all, it's almost nine, so I just want to see, uh, Melissa, do you want to chime in and have the final uh, word or final voice today? Oh, sure. Okay, thank you. Um yeah, I'm enjoying this 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 book read. It's great. Um, so the one thing that stood out to me uh, was this uh, was this thought of having ideas and original ideas. And and I guess um, the thing that I would add to that is um, if you if you do have an idea and you don't have your notebook around, you know, take a voice note, or if the notebook is around at at night or in the morning when you wake up, you know, revisit some of those ideas because I think sometimes um, we put pressure on ourselves to have original ideas and we don't think they're original, uh, but maybe they're just not fleshed out. So I think it's okay to have your idea. Um, and and to revisit them and flesh them out. And, and then, you know, of course, talk to your colleagues, talk to friends and shop around some of those ideas. Mm. And uh, um, so, so, again, the whole point was w- with him, you know, just I think sometimes we get bogged down in this 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 mental um uh talking to ourselves uh uh being you know our own worst enemies and thinking we don't have original ideas when maybe we do have a nugget yeah that's what i wanted to contribute thank you thank you it's a fantastic contribution self-talk um head trash um and sometimes and there isn't time to talk about it today sometimes a bad idea if shared can actually be turned into a great idea with feedback and with the ability to articulate it. So that, that it's a critical, crucial point. So I'm glad you mentioned it. By the way, the voice note idea is a great hack. And you know, if you have an Apple Watch, um, you can do voice notes as well. You can actually be out and not even have your phone necessarily um, and just be able to use a voice note. So voice notes are very, very powerful. I basically wrote my entire book by dictating, by actually speaking the book, because I wanted to try it a different way. Instead of typing, uh, I wanted the book to come from me naturally. I naturally talk. I don't naturally type. Um, But I agree with you. You know, remember this point that when you keep something to yourself, either because you think, and this is, this is a, it's a key nuance here. Why do we keep things to ourselves? Because either we think it's too good or it's too bad. Um, but those are the times when we should be sharing it, especially the times when we think it's so awful or so awesome, that's when we need to share it by getting feedback and by being able to kind of riff on it as well. Um, we can turn, we can, we can execute on the great, or maybe it's not even as great as we thought, but we can turn some of those bad ideas into great ideas, maybe because we were just waiting for the right use case to come along. So my friends, uh, it is 9.03. Thank you uh, for the 281 people that passed through the coffee house today. Um, I hope that, as I said, my promise, my money back guarantee that you you ended up better off than when you started. Uh, To Jonathan and Christopher and Billy in our Discord, thank you for being there. To the rest of you, discord.gg forward slash alpha collective, those links. Next Wednesday, Thursday, Friday will almost certainly, I think, be in Discord. And I'll have our regulars, maybe Billy, maybe Christopher, maybe Tim, uh, maybe Bez, maybe even Melissa, who as far as I'm concerned is a regular now, um, uh, will want to lead a session. Do it without me. You don't need me. Um, And I will be back the following Monday. But 
I will be here tomorrow for No Agenda Friday. Bring ideas, things that you're stuck on, things you want help on, um, things that are in the news. Anything is, it's open season. I will talk about anything. You've got a question or comment for me. There is no agenda, open mic. So it is completely programmed and driven by you. Um, Have an amazing Thursday, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.